Hello, and welcome to episode six of series five of the Engaging Internal Comms podcast. This is the show for employee engagers and internal communicators who like to keep up to date with all that is new in our profession. My name's Craig Smith from The Big Picture People. Well, we're back to our normal fortnightly schedule after last week's bonus episode, which I hope you've had a chance to listen to. Um, Just letting you know what we've got coming up in the next couple of episodes. On the 12th of March, I have an interview with Douglas Brown. Douglas is from a company called Manage to Retain, and we're going to be dealing all around the retention issues that organisations are facing at the moment, retention, turnover and absenteeism, and how we as internal communicators and employee engagers can have an impact on retention and reduce turnover and absenteeism. So that's a really interesting conversation. And then coming up on the 26th of March, I have an interview with Tarek Camille. Tarek is from a company called Circle. Tarek is an expert in the area of artificial intelligence, and we're going to be looking all about the impact of AI on internal communications, which is a very, very hot topic at the moment. Lots of people talking about that, something we've covered previously on the show. So that's what we've got coming up for you in the next two episodes. Uh, We've had lots of inquiries for potential guests on the show. If you've sent us an email or you've reached out to us via other means, please bear with us. We will have sent you a link for a question now that we we ask our potential guests to fill in now just to find out a little bit more about what it is you want to talk about and we will then let you know once we've received your questionnaire back so if you are looking to be a guest and you've reached out to us then thank you very much for that and we will get back to you in due course we're looking to do some more recording in a couple of uh well in a month or so's time so just bear with us on that okay so that's everything for this uh, introduction let's get straight into this episode's interview as you know on the engaging internal comms podcast i'm always looking for new areas to explore things we haven't covered before and slightly unconventional areas as well that you wouldn't normally associate with employee engagement or internal communications and in this episode we're going to be looking at the pay gap now the pay gap is something that has risen to prominence over recent years because of legislation, particularly in the United Kingdom, but also in other parts of the world as well, which is highlighting the difference in pay that exists between, particularly between genders and and male and female employees. So that's what we're going to be looking at. We're going to be looking at the challenges that the pay gap and pay gap reporting brings, but also the information that that also produces and how organisations are using that internally and externally to communicate their value proposition as an employer but also to their employees to help them understand where a pay if a pay gap exists and uh, what the organization is doing about it but also to go beyond just trying to close that gap and to, to explain what other benefits and uh, uh, of a, uh, the employer can offer to the employees as well so really interesting we've got someone who specializes in this area who works with organizations to help them to have better conversations with employees about pay and pay gap issues so that's what we're going to be looking at today. Pay gap, a topic, as I say, we've not covered before. Just uh, just to let you know, actually, also as well, at the beginning of the interview, my interviewee uh, had uh, someone 
interesting outside her her apartment in uh, she's actually in Spain which I'll, I'll, I'll let her explain herself um, uh, her scrap man turned up just be, while we were recording the beginning of the interview and her scrap man plays a little flute or a piccolo to tell you that he's outside so at the beginning of the interview you'll hear some strange piccolo sounds in the background um, we left them in we didn't re-record that section it was actually quite quite interesting uh, to have in the background but it, it does stop after the introduction so if you're wondering what on earth is that strange little flute noise in the background at the beginning of the interview it does go away and it's the scrap man uh, who is uh, traveling along the street outside our guest's apartment in case you're wondering what it was my guest today is michelle jimmer Michelle is a pay gap strategist. She specializes in supporting HR directors to close their pay gaps sustainably. One of the key aspects of Michelle's work with organizations is to provide training on how to hold better pay and progression conversations. This is an essential tool in closing pay gaps. So hello, Michelle, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me on the podcast today. Thank you. It's lovely to have you. And just for our listeners, whereabouts in the world are you, please? I am currently based in Valencia in Spain. Fantastic. And I'm from your accent. You're not originally from Valencia. So uh, tell us a little bit about your story about how, how have you ended up in Valencia and, and, um, and, and where you're originally from, Michelle? Yeah, so so I'm from the UK, originally from London, lived in Manchester for many years because I went to university there. Um and me and my family, we basically decided that we want to have wanted to have a bit of a family adventure. We used to come to Spain for holidays quite a lot, but we just decided that we would like to have a year or two out and give the kids an opportunity to to learn a different language, you know experience different culture etc and so yeah so we picked Valencia and we've we've been here ever since wonderful wonderful and we're recording this on a, a rainy winter's day in the UK and you said the weather in in Valencia is pretty pretty nice today pretty temperate yeah it is I went out with like a little scarf and as soon as I stepped out the door I had to take it off because because <laughs> it's actually quite warm <laughs> excellent excellent oh that's nice that's nice um so I, I guess we're covering a topic that normally we you know people would see as a kind of an HR kind of um, themed topic but actually we're going to be looking at the the at the engagement and comms connections with what you do but tell us a little bit more about how you've ended up doing what you're doing Michelle how you've ended up working in this 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 really interesting area of pay gap and um and 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 your you know your career to date that's led you to this point yeah well it's completely by accident because I don't think many people kind of say when I grow up I want to be a pay gaps consultant um but I've always had an interest in anything to do with equality and human rights. And so I did a human rights master's at Manchester University. And then I applied for a role at the then newly created Equality and Human Rights Commission, because they're based, their headquarters are based in Manchester. And so I started off life there, um, advising education establishments on all things to do with equality and human rights. And I basically went for a promotion and the way in which it worked there was that you interviewed based on your skills. And then after you passed the interview, then you were assigned like a, a topic within the kind of equality and human rights um, space. So I went for this promotion, got the job, and then I was told, right, you're going to be working on 
equal pay and pay gaps. And I was like, mm. oh, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> I had never heard of it. <laughs> so it was a bit of a steep, steep learning curve for me. So my role there was around advising employers on this new subject that I'd never heard of. Um, and I had to write guidance, uh, write policies, you know, do workshops and, you know, keynote speeches, etc. And and after I kind of found my footing, it took me a while to kind of really get to grips with it because it's quite complicated and also is one of those topics that um, comes with a lot of big emotions. So people have very strong feelings about anything to do with pay and equality yeah. in the workplace. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it took me a while to kind of navigate how to kind of handle those things. Um but yeah, I, re- I, I really enjoyed that work. But what I found was, is that I wanted to do much more hands-on work in that space because my role was really about providing advice for employers. Mm. And then employers had to kind of go and figure things out for themselves. Uh, so I got to a stage where I decided that I really enjoyed the work, but what I wanted to do was to be much more hands-on within organizations. Mm. And so when I was on my first lot of maternity leave, I actually took voluntary redundancy. And that's when I set up the business equality pays mm. to be able to work with um, organizations in-house to help them figure out what their pay gap says about them and to help them develop strategies to address the root causes of why they have pay gaps um, in the first place. And so that was what, well over 10 years ago. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's what I've been doing ever since. Yeah. And I know you, you, we just said you're based in Valencia, but is your, is your work primarily in the UK or is it, does it take you all over Europe uh, with, the, with the work that you're doing now? Yeah. So at the moment, most of my work is still UK based and mm. because of, you know, the wonders of technology, I, I can actually do a, a, a large chunk of that work here, um, here in Valencia. But I have noticed that there has been um, a bit of uptake and interest from companies within the US because they are on their own kind of pay gaps journey. Um, and things are changing here in the in the EU uh, in terms of the pay transparency directive that's coming in. So at the mm. moment, primarily UK based, but I do see that that's going to start to change as, Mm. yes, as more countries and states kind of, you know, find their own way to, to address these issues as well. Excellent. That, 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 that's, that's really interesting, Michelle. And that kind of leads me on to the next question then, which is um, maybe it's a little bit of of the legislative background to pay gap. And and as you said, you, you primarily work in the UK. So I guess that legislation is primarily at the moment, UK legislation. Um, But, but, but as you say, it seems to be the case that the the EU and and in the States that that, that is, um, is starting to become an issue there as well. So could you just, just give us a, for the, for the lay person, a bit of a background to the, to the legislation behind pay gap and, and, and what is the aim of that legislation at the moment, Michelle? Yeah. So the aim of pay gap reporting uh, for for us here in the UK, companies Mm. that have 250 people or more, is for it to be a catalyst for organizations to address something that has, you know, is a a well-known problem. So we have had pay gap reporting since 2017. But prior to that, there was nothing... um, there was no kind of real reason for organizations to 
to address this as an ongoing problem. So mm. what the government of the day decided to do was to insert a clause into the Equality Act, and it's Clause 78. Mm. And what that basically said was, is that if enough organizations voluntarily reported on their gender pay gap and you know took actions to address those issues, then it wouldn't need to be legislation. But if enough uh, organizations didn't do that, then it would become legislation. Right. So in that first year, I think there was something like less than a thousand organizations voluntarily reported on their gender pay gap. And so that is why we are where we are now, where it is now legislation that this data has to be reported. Mm. Mm. Yes. Every April for private sector organizations and it's the 31st of March for public sector organizations. Um, so, so that's how the kind of legislation has, has come about for the UK. And is there a, a limit? I don't know. Sorry, you might if I missed that. Is there a limit of the size of the organization that has to be before that, that triggers or is it any size or is, it, is there a cutoff point? Yeah, so it's for organizations that have 250 employees okay. or okay. more. Yeah. Having said that, there are some companies that are smaller that recognize the value in doing this and and have voluntarily reported on okay. their pay gaps as well. Okay. Okay. And and is it is it purely just on on, on a gender basis or are there any other distinctions between potential discrimination when it comes to pay gaps or is it is it purely gender at the moment? Yes. Yeah, so for mm. in the legislation, it's purely gender. Mm. Uh, but we do know that some companies do report on the ethnicity mm. pay gap as well. Mm. Um, and some do disability. Uh, at the moment, those two are not legislation, but mm. that could be subject to change depending on kind of what happens within the next general election, <laughs> whenever yeah. that comes, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, and and I guess it's it might be stating the obvious, but what what is that the aim of the legislation is to close that pay gap or merely to make us aware of it? Is there a mandatory aspect of it to to close the pay gap, or or is it really just a reporting uh, piece of legislation at the moment? Yeah, so it's a, it's a really good question. So mm. I think the the aim of it is to get organisations to get closing the pay gap, um, and you know the fact that it's now something that's in the public eye where people can access that information. The the kind of hope behind that is that because it's so public facing, that organizations will take this seriously because obviously this information is not new to organizations. It's just that there was never any real push for mm. companies to actually do something about it. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. And, 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 and in terms of what re- organizations are having to report externally and internally is there a distinction so so i know because i know with financial reporting you know companies of a certain size only have to you know publish certain abbreviated accounts i'm using that as an analogy is is it a case that you have to you have to uh, publish everything and is there a distinction between what organizations share internally and externally no, there, there isn't a distinction. So mm. what organizations have to publish is you know, a specific set of calculations. So they have to publish the mean and the median average mm. um, based on hourly pay within the organization for men and women. If you are an organization that provides bonuses, then you have to produce that information as well. And you also have to produce information on the percentages of, you know, um, 
who ha- who accesses bonuses men and women and then also you have to produce the percentage of men and women within each quartile within an organization so if a company was sliced into kind of four equal parts mm. you'd be able to, you should be able to present the percentage of how many men and women are in each part within the um within the organization at the moment the legislation only says that you have to produce that data so technically you could have an a4 sheet of paper with just that information and you would be legally compliant in terms of the data that you've produced mm. what um is beneficial though is to also produce some kind of narrative to give some context to the numbers because the numbers on themselves on their own only tell you know a fraction of the story of what's actually happening within mm. your organizations um some organizations decide that yes they do see the value in providing a report a narrative and and some don't um and and some organizations will go as far as to not even have an internal conversation about the data that they've produced so they're just kind of approaching it as um a compliance exercise something that they just have to have to do rather than something that they're committed to do and yeah. take action on yeah 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 and i, and I want to kind of talk, go, lean into that 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 internal communications aspect just, i mean just before we go into that and, and i guess this goes back to and i don't know whether you have any data on this is there any is there any study or or that's been done in terms of you know kind of relative levels of engagement or you know and obviously engagement you can measure in lots lots of different ways there are many different metrics that you can use for employee engagement but i guess you know intention to stay and and all of those sorts of things with organizations where they're actively doing something around that pay gap or at least actively communicating and addressing it and acknowledging it or or is that is that still a bit of a gray i mean obviously intuitively one would imagine that that is the case but but i'm just wondering if there's any any kind of hard data on that i think at the moment that there is, there isn't any hard data mm. on you know on that but what we do know is that pay gap reports is becoming increasingly important for people to help them make decisions as to whether they decide they're going to stay at an organization or even mm. move to another organization. So we know that back in, I think it was 2019, the Equality and Human Rights Commission did some research on what the impact of having this information so publicly available was. And what they found was that six in 10 women would use a company's pay gap report as part of their decision making in what their next career move would be. And we also know anecdotally that headhunters would start to use that information as well when trying to kind of entice people to move from one company to another. Mm. So so even though we don't have, you know, very specific data on employee engagement, we do know that people are using this information um, and that, you know, having that knowledge is powerful because they're then able to make much more informed decisions Mm. about what they decide to do next in their, in their careers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's a kind of surrogate measure of, 
of culture as well to a certain extent, isn't it? In uh, particularly in, yes. in in that respect, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, okay. So just just going back, back. So so sorry, but trying a little digression there, but 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 going back to what we were just talking about there around this internal communications aspect uh, of, of it, because if, as you acknowledged at the beginning, it is a bit of a a kind of a um, a difficult area. For, well, I perceive, I, I would imagine organisations perceive it as a as a as a as a tough conversation to to have with with their with their employees, particularly if it's something where you know there is a there is a significant gap or you know even if they, they acknowledge they're doing some work around it what, what are some of the approaches that you've seen when it comes to having that internal conversation around pay gap that that i guess are the, the the good and and maybe some of the less things less good things that should be avoided <laughs> when it comes to to pay gap because you say it is a, it is a little bit of a um i, I would imagine a, a, a difficult su- subject for people to feel comfortable having that conversation without it it potentially going off 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 the rails what 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 do you what do you what have you seen there michelle yeah so i've i've seen a myriad of things and i guess mm-hmm. it, i guess it's a spectrum so um you know i see a lot of organizations taking the kind of post and run approach so that is where they're just being compliant doing the things that they have to do putting the data out um but they're not talking about it. So not talking about it internally, not talking about it externally. And it's almost in the hope that nobody will, you know, pick up on this information and they'll get asked no questions. And and I tend to see that from organizations that have, you know, wide pay gaps um, Mm. and either are unsure of what to do or don't see this as a priority, just see it as, you know, another box that they need to tick and then move on to the next thing. Um, but I also see organizations who are k- kind of well-meaning, but overwhelmed. So they know that they have an issue. The data tells them that there's a problem, but they're just kind of overwhelmed in terms of, well, where do we start with this? And what tends to happen in those organizations is that any conversations that come up because they're kind of ill-prepared in how to have the conversation, what to talk about, et cetera, um, they kind of get defensive uh, because, mm. you know, they, they want to improve things, but they feel that they're being criticized in terms of what they're doing. So the defensiveness comes up and that isn't very good for kind of trust and engagement within, within an organization. And I, and I would say from the clients that I work with, I would say most of those people fall into that category of wanting to do something, but not knowing how to do this. And so therefore, when the conversation comes up, being um, unintentionally um, defensive. Mm. And then we have organizations who are, you know, who are very competent and very confident in the conversation. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that they're um, making huge strides and, you know, their pay gap is, you know, reducing at the rate of knots, but it's more about they understand their data. They have an action plan in place and that they, they know the importance of having regular conversations about this internally and because they're doing it on a regular basis, their competence and confidence around discussing the nuances and discussing the hard things um, grows. And that helps their employees um, and stakeholders and investors to feel much more confident in what it is that they're doing around addressing their pay gap issues. Mm. Mm. And and I, and I and I guess that leans into some of the work that you do and your training that you provide. I mean, what are some of the? Uh, I, 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 I was trying to put myself in that position of of someone who's trying to because I, I guess 
it's easier to communicate something when you know there's actually some genuinely something's being done about it it's less less mm. easy when you're kind of acknowledging there's a problem but actually you, you know well we ain't going to do anything or we shrug our shoulders or we kind of we, we're, we're kind of um we're making some some sort of moves that that, that make make it you know, look look good but we're window dressing to a certain extent i mean what what are some of the things that you when you with your work that you do in terms of training people uh, to have those sort of conversations is it is it more about the cult creating the culture or is it is it around skills as well to be able to to approach these these uh, the, these topics or this topic yeah well it's a bit of both and i think actually mm. the the starting point is is to really understand what the purpose of pay gap reporting is because mm. i think a lot of organizations have kind of fallen into the trap of thinking that the purpose of pay gap reporting is simply just to reduce this pay gap figure so whatever that figure is it needs to be reduced mm. and that that is the only measure of success mm. but the reality is is that you know, pay gaps is actually much more nuanced than that. And there are lots of things that can um, influence your pay gap to go up and down. And some of those things, organizations systemically do have control over, but some of those things, you know, they don't have control over. So for the, the first thing for me is to help organizations to understand the nuances that come with pay gap reporting and the data that is put out and to help them understand, you know, that it really is about focusing on their root causes. And yes, it would be great to have your pay gap figure reduced, but there's always other things that you can and should be focusing on in your organization that will, um, that is a real benefit to the organization. And these are the things that your employees in particular are really, really focused on. And so having that understanding, that is the thing that will help you with your communication much better than just focusing just on the figure. And I think a lot of organizations, they're kind of coming to um, that way of thinking that we need to move away from this conversation just being very binary as in, you know, a wide pay gap means that you're a bad organization and the right. small one means that you're better and moving to say, okay, our pay gap isn't great and it hasn't moved for X amount of years, but these are the areas that we have improved on, which mm. might be something like we've got increased take up or shared parental leave, or we've, you know, strengthened our flexible working policies. Um, you know, we've improved our, you know, diverse recruitment strategy. You know, there are things that are kind of rumbling on in the background that are, just as important as your pay gap, but they may not impact the pay gap figure. Right. It doesn't mean that they're not as important. So having that understanding really is key to how you then approach your internal and external communication when the topics of, of pay mm. gaps uh, mm. comes up. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, looking at it, because I guess, yeah, if you, if you look at it just purely as a, as a, as a remuneration thing, there are lots of other benefits that, that maybe, you know, kind of resolve some of those discrepancies or, or, or uh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. In terms of, um, you, you mentioned earlier about some organizations that, that do go above and beyond and 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 i think you know it's always interesting I, I i always it always fascinates me when you see organizations that do do more than they have to just to meet minimum legislatively legislative compliance what 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 do you what have you seen there that that, that you, you know without obviously you know breaching any confidentiality where organizations have gone 
over and above and, and oh, how do they make a case for that because i guess in this day and age it's it's um you, you know we're always f- feeling the inclination to do the, the minimum amount because we're, we're we're pushed for resources what what are some of the what are some of the examples you've seen there and how organizations have, have, have kind of sold that internally to to the powers that be or to their stakeholders yeah yeah so uh, the things that i have seen that organizations are doing that's working well in terms of you know not only doing this work but communicating mm. the value of this work is is really to embed this as an opportunity to improve education around what pay gaps is and the Mm. impact that it has, but also broaden how and when communication happens. So when this uh, legislation first passed, people would talk about pay gaps around pay gap reporting time and then at no other time during the year. Mm. And what we're starting to see now is organizations realizing that because it is a touchstone for so many other things that are happening within organizations, it makes sense to embed the conversation around what you're doing around pay gaps throughout the year. So rather than it always just being a focus in April and everybody's scrambling to think about what have we done over the last year that we can talk about to tell so everyone knows that we're a good employer it's about embedding it at different times of the year so doing things like having events and webinars um, internal interviews with senior leaders around why this is important and what they're doing and also ensuring that there is a, a high level of visibility and accountability so who's responsible for having this pay gap action plan when you know what are the deadlines what are the goals who's going to be doing it who can I talk to if I have questions about this and having those regular um, touch points throughout the year this is what good looks like so rather Mm. than it being a standalone issue that's addressed once a year it's embedded into how the organization is run it's part of the culture and it's about opening up that transparency so that people can see oh actually okay so this new recruitment strategy feeds into the pay gap strategy it feeds into talent acquisition and it's good for the organization for these you know for these five reasons Mm. so it's about broadening out and really showcasing what probably is already happening behind the scenes but I know so many clients who are really bad at shouting out about the work that they're doing and then they're, they're kind of surprised when, you know, employees mm-hmm. accuse them of not caring about this and not doing anything. So it's about bringing to light the things that are already happening and planting those seeds that this is good for the organization and it's part of this strategy. It's part of the pay gap strategy, talent acquisition, um, et cetera. Because we're in a time where topics around pay and transparency and fairness, these are really high employee value propositions so it's moved from being something very niche to something that is expected so as an organization you have to demonstrate that not only do you take this seriously but there is action Mm. happening Mm. you know on a kind of weekly monthly uh basis Mm. so for me that's what good 
communication looks like, making sure that there is a real plan and that it's embedded into what's already happening within your wider organization. Mm-hmm. I guess there's a parallel there with, with employee engagement as well. You know, we talked about earlier in, in terms of, you know, not, not just it's at, or it's survey time. Let's get all of the, all of the posters <laughs> out about what a great employer we are and how, you know, all of the benefits and all the things, you know, let, let's make it part of a continual conversation around this. So it, it, it's, you know, the, the annual report is really just the sort of culmination of a whole, you know, the year's activity, uh, rather than just being the only time we ever talk about this stuff so i, I guess there's a there's a and, and any 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 initiative like that i think is is um it, it's important to have those conversations on a regular basis isn't it um so i think that 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 in and of itself is is a fantastic kind of tip but but just 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 closing out michelle any any other sort of quick wins i know that's always a bit bit uh, <laughs> trivializing a, a really important topic like this but any 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 kind of final tips or thoughts from you if for anyone who's listening to this who you know maybe they're 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 they're, they're in that cycle of of working on in an organization where there is pay gap reporting and, and that's part of their role or an organization that's maybe you know coming to terms with this maybe uh, in, in its full entirety what, what any 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 thoughts on that michelle about what what would be good things to start doing if you not already doing them yeah um so the first thing i would say is to is to is to get your data verified um you know i know that for a lot of uh hr teams that are having to crunch the numbers this is probably not part of their day job in terms of you know having to pull statistics together etc and i know some organizations find that is the kind of most tedious thing aspect and that it's hard and it takes a long time but if you're in a position where you can invest in getting your data verified or you can use software to help you do it and make your life easier then i would always advise organizations to do that the second tip i would say is to not view this as um a HR project. Quite often, yes, HR will lead this work, but I always encourage organizations to think about how you can bring um, internal expertise together. So you really should have, you know, some kind of pay gaps group. So you should be involving comms. It should be somebody from finance, the reward team, obviously HR, if you have um, DEI uh, leads in your organizations and think about how you can utilize any uh, employee resource groups that are in the organization as well to help you with that messaging. Um, I I think a lot of organizations, um, they don't realize that there is a lot of goodwill within kind of ERGs. And quite often, obviously, it's not for them to do the work, but they do want to be involved in knowing what's happening because they can help you with that messaging as well. So this really should be looked at as something that is a team effort as opposed to, you know, a one person in the organization has to fix this problem um, issue, which is something I see quite a lot. So, you know, gather your people around you to support you in 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 doing this work, because this is a this is an every person um, problem rather than, you know, a static one person problem 
Mm. Excellent. Oh, that's 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 really really good. Well, I mean, that's been really fascinating, and an, an area I didn't I knew very little about, which um, which which I guess I've not worked in corporates as an employee for a long time. But although I work obviously work with corporates, it's 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 an area that's that's escaped me. So it's been really really helpful to to understand more about about that, and and also to you know to to realise that um what a what an important thing it is, as you say, in terms of particularly in the times where many organizations are are struggling to attract and retain uh, talented people then i think that's really mm. you know it's an area that, that that shouldn't definitely shouldn't be overlooked obviously it can't be overlooked from a legislative perspective but you know putting your putting your full weight behind it i think is really important so where can we find out more about you michelle i've got your linkedin profile that i'm going to put into the show notes and you have a podcast as well i believe it's what do you want to tell us a little bit about 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 the podcast Yes, I do. So it's called Beyond the Pay Gap Figure mm. um, because I'm I'm on a mission to help organizations to have much more nuanced conversations about the pay gap and not just be so fixated on just reducing the figure for the sake of reducing it. Um, and so on there, I share lots of tips and ideas uh, of what organizations should be doing and how they should be thinking and approaching this. And I also share some insights into what is working for other organizations as well. So if this is, you know, uh, in your remit or of interest that, yeah, I would, uh, I would love for you to subscribe and, and have a listen. So yeah. the podcast and LinkedIn, they're, they're the two places that people, um, can best find me. Yeah. And we'll put a link into, into your, into your podcast on, into the show notes as well. So the show notes on the website version of this, so you'll find all of the, these links. And also I think you have a LinkedIn course that we're going to put a link into there. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about the LinkedIn course that if, if people want to immerse themselves in this a little bit deeper? Yeah. So, so it's a LinkedIn course. Um, and it says in the title that it's for tech organizations, but in reality, it's, it's for any organization that is interested in understanding a little bit more about the nuances of pay gaps. And, uh, in the course, I talk about how it shows up within workplaces. So mm. even if your organization has less than 250 people and you don't have to report on your pay gap, there's a good chance that you probably still do have some of those issues anyway. And so the course is like a, a kind of starter place for you to think about how they show up in organizations and what it is that you could do to try and start minimizing um, the impact of pay gaps. So that you can find also, um, if you go onto my pro, my LinkedIn profile, uh, there's a link to the course as well. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll put a separate link in as well into the show notes. So those three links we'll put into the uh, the show notes. So, well, all that remains to me is to say thank you very much, Michelle. Found that a really interesting conversation. I always like to learn about things that I I, uh, I should know about perhaps, but don't don't know as much as I should. So you've given me, <laughs> given me a really good overview, but I think hopefully for, for our listeners as well, who are um, you know wrestling with this for, from an internal comms and engagement from an HR perspective, um, are giving us some really good insights there and also so some real practical things that the organizations can be doing and seeing beyond just the merely, as you say, the legislative requirements and, and really going above and beyond. So I think that's been been really interesting conversation. So thank you very much, Michelle. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Take care. Thank you. 
We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Engaging Internal Comms podcast. If you've got any ideas for episodes you'd like us to cover in future, you can email us at info at thebigpicturepeople.co.uk or you can use the feedback form at engagingic.com. If you're not already subscribed to the show via your podcast platform, please do so. And if you could leave a review for us, that would be absolutely fantastic. We have links to other episodes at engagingic.com. All of our previous episodes are available there. And if you're interested in our visual communication services, our big pictures, our learning maps, our explainer videos, and also our live graphic recording, please get in touch with us again at info at thebigpicturepeople.co.uk. Thank you.